Friday long weekend waiting in the wings. Can you leave work now? Don't sneak away. That never works out well. And you might need an umbrella in the next little while. Things are looking a little whippy and windy outside. But we're looking at a pretty good weekend of weather. And we're looking at a pretty good weekend based on all of the things that there are to do. And yeah, we'll spend some time today talking about some of those things. One of the things we've been talking about all week is the Rolling Stones playing Ontario. Now, this isn't too far away. This is Burles Creek, and they're going to be there tomorrow. Rolling Stones tomorrow. And as promised yesterday, we have one final pair of tickets that we are going to give away. But this is kind of like when we give away tickets on the day of a London Knights game. We ask one thing. Please be able to go. Don't call in and win the tickets and then say, well, that was fun. That was great. Hey, what'd you do today? I won tickets to go and see the Rolling Stones. Oh, when? Tomorrow. Wow. You going? No, but it was fun to win them. See you later. Please don't do that. Please be able to actually go to the concert because this is a full day event and it promises to be a fantastic, the bill is amazing. Sloan is on the bill. Already the phones are ringing. Okay. I could tell you everybody who's on the bill and I will, but why don't we take the opportunity right now to open the phones because we've done this one way all week. We've done it with lyrics. This is a talk radio station. We're very focused in on words most of the time. So all you need to do is name the song that these lyrics come from and please be able to attend tomorrow's concert in Burles Creek, which is about northeast of Barrie. So it is, based on how big the traffic's going to get, it is a bit of a hike. So if you are able to go, phone lines are open, 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. All you need to do is name the song that these lyrics come from. When I'm driving in my car and the man come on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information. I can't get no, 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 hey, hey, hey. That should be fairly easy. It's a Friday. We don't want to make it too taxing at all. So give us a call right now, 519-643-2222. If you can tell us what song those lyrics come from, then you are off to see the Rolling Stones at Burles Creek tomorrow with the Glorious Sons, the Beaches, Sloan, One Bad Son, and a late-night party with Dwayne Gretzky. It's all part of Canada Rocks. So 519-643-2222. This is the last pair that we have anywhere in our collection of radio stations here at Chorus Radio London. This is the last chance possible that you have to win. 519-643-2222, and we will get you a winner. What else are we doing on the show today? Well, we're heading into a Canada Day-long weekend So we've got to talk about something that Historica Canada has done. They've done this a few times, but I like this. They put us to the test when it comes to what we know about Canada. And yesterday, we spent a lot of time praising the school system, and I really am genuine in that. I've had a great experience as a parent with today's school system. Really wouldn't change a thing. 
And I know that there's a fight coming, and I hope it doesn't get too ugly. But I think one thing that we could do better is we could involve more Canadian history. I don't think we have enough Canadian history. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll talk with Anthony Wilson-Smith from Historica Canada, and we'll look at a quirky quiz that they put out there. And it turns out that of the over 1,000 people who took this quiz as they were kind of gauging how Canadians do with quirky Canadian history, 3% passed. Or no, sorry, wait a minute, let me check that. 3% got an A. More than 3% passed, but 3% got an A. So 3% actually did well on this thing. So we'll go through some of the questions. We'll talk with Anthony. And if you want to throw it before somebody this weekend, it's very easy to find. And you can sit around, you know, when you get Canada Day going, you got the lawn chairs and maybe the barbecues fired up and you're just chit-chatting. You pull this up on your phone. You say, okay, let's see how you do. You'll win. I mean, if, if you wanna if you wanna set it up that way, there's no way that they will beat you. These questions are tough. Three percent of people got an A. So we'll discuss that in just a moment. Let's go to the phone. Sean, are you available tomorrow to make a slight trek to Burles Creek? Sean, are you at Burles Creek right now? It sounds like you're underneath the creek. Sean, can you hear us? All right. I don't know where Sean went. I'm going to put him on hold. Kelly will find Sean because I don't want to take anybody else right now because I do believe Sean had the right answer. So, Sean, if you want to get back in touch with us, we'll give you the chance to say that right answer on the air and take home those Rolling Stones tickets. Should Sean be out of the country or out of the question, uh, we'll reopen that in just a minute. Let's take a quick break. We are going to talk about what's happening on Dundas Place. We have a three-time world champion beard and mustache grower on the show today. Of course we do. And we'll look at how you can do some winning if you're between the ages of 10 and 16 and a great curler. Plus, We've got to talk a little bit about the Dalai Lama at some point on the show. 519-643-2222. We'll aim to get Sean back, and we will return on London Live in just a moment. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We are going to spend some time talking Canadian things, mustaches. They can be Canadian things, beards. Uh, But we are going to get serious in a kind of sort of way, in about 25 minutes from now. Because I was scrolling through Twitter last night, and I found an interview with another person who's an anti-vaxxer. And I thought, okay, all right. It, it troubles me. I, I have read a ton. I have talked to as many people as I can. And I'm not a fan of anti-vaxxers. If you are one, sorry, I'm not a fan. I'm not a believer. And so what we're going to do is chat in about 25 minutes and talk about the anti-vax world and some of those, what you would call myths, really. And we'll discuss that again in about 25 minutes. Let's head into the long holiday Canada Day weekend in the right way. Historica Canada has put out a bit of a quiz just to see how well we know our Canadian history. and. It's a tough quiz. 3% of people who took it, and over 1,000 took it, actually got an A. There's only 30 questions. You need 24. 3% got an A. So that makes it difficult. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about what was asked, and then we'll give you the link 
to find the quiz if you would like to take it yourself. Anthony Wilson-Smith is the president and CEO of Historica Canada and joins us now on London Live. Anthony, how are things? Oh, good. This is our time after all, right? I guess so. And you always have some interesting things to point to, it seems, going into holiday weekends. The quiz that you've had going for a little while now that kind of tests all of us on what we know about this country, how long has that been going? That's actually only a couple of years. Like, although we've done, uh, you know, we did more straightforward ones in the past. This one, we tend to refer to the, uh, the information as, I guess, the polite word is quirky. Some people who get it wrong might say nasty. <laughs> okay, well, we haven't taken it on the air yet, but we plan to throw out some questions. Maybe we can get a little hint book going here. What did you decide to ask Canadians about? Well, so we broke it into five categories. There's geography, science and innovation, animals, culture, and sports. And actually, Canadians are pretty good in geography, which is surprising in the sense that we know from other polls others have done that uh, most Canadians don't travel outside of their home province except for work, but they still know a lot of what's going on. And isn't that wild? I mean, that statistic right there is pretty crazy. The fact that we've got this great big country, which is almost like 12 different countries, and yet we don't see enough of it. No, I mean, part of the thing is, of course, just the sheer size of this place, right? Second biggest country in the world after Russia. If you're making a commitment to go from one province to another, in a lot of cases, you're talking, you know, maybe over a thousand kilometers, uh, you know, depending on reach. So, so you got to think twice, but yeah, we got a lot going on in this place. It's worth seeing. Okay, well, let's kind of look at how we have done so far in this, because you had more than 1,000 respondents. Uh, a couple of provinces tended to rise to the top on this. Here we are in Ontario, Anthony. Uh, Ontario, one of those? Well, I mean, Ontario did better than a lot of other provinces, but basically we're talking about a pass rate of about 3 to 5% in terms of getting a majority of the questions. So I wouldn't say there are any stars, but but having said that, you know, we really did design this to be a, a real test of people in a brutal way. In other words, you're not a failure as a Canadian if you don't pass this test. Okay, that's good, because when we look at Canadians that actually got an A grade, which out of 30 questions, if you remember back, and I'm not sure kids who just finished their high school exams will get this yet, because, yeah, you forget stuff, but 24 out of 30 would be an A grade. How many Canadians out of those 1,000 respondents got an A? That's 3%. That You just said the word 3, right? You, you, I'm sure you said 93 or 53. Or, I did not say 93. No. You, you said 3. 3%. And I got to tell you, I'm not sure I would have been among those 3% going into it either. <laughs> and I spent my day around Canadian history. Okay, so let's look into a, a couple of different things. We've had the Raptors front and center for a while. They'll remain front and center this weekend as free agency opens and people wonder what Kawhi Leonard is going to do. But Canada, of course, has a, an excellent basketball past that predates the Raptors. Uh, do we have a handle on that as Canadians? Well, so let me give you an example of why I'm quite prepared to say it's a nasty quiz. So we actually know that a lot of Canadians do know basketball was invented by a Canadian, by Dr. James Naismith, in part, frankly, because we did a Heritage Minute on them years ago, which was very well watched, and people knew otherwise. So when we asked the questions, we didn't bother asking, but instead our true-false question was, is it true or false that in 1936 Dr. James Naismith presented the Canadian Olympic basketball team with a silver medal on occasion of the first appearance of basketball as an Olympic sport. So that's a whole different crook. And Ooh. by the way, that is true. 
Oh, okay, true. good. See, we are putting together a little hint book for this. All right, so that is true. Let's make some jot notes here. That's amazing, though. That that I guess shows the direction that you are taking this in. It's not just hey, you know James Naismith, you know Canada, you know basketball, you might even know Almond, Ontario. Uh, that bumps it up a notch. Oh, it does. And then, you know, we talk about innovation and invention. So let me throw another one. True or false, the Jolly Jumper baby exercise toy is a Canadian invention. Oh, I'm going to hope that and it is. I'm going to hope. I'm going to say yes just because I hope. And you're in, Mike. There's a woman named, uh, a lady named Olivia Poole who was living in Manitoba when she did so. The Jolly Jumper. If And I don't know what doctors say about the Jolly Jumper. I'm sure somebody can say, you know, the spine. But I, everybody should take part in some fun in the Jolly Jumper before they can remember they've been in a Jolly Jumper. We're talking right now with the president and CEO of Historica Canada, Anthony Wilson-Smith. And we are talking about the 30-question quiz that they've put together And it looks at quirky Canadian facts. So we're learning quite a bit of things already. Uh, Royal Canadian Mint, that's been a very important institution in our country's heritage. Um, There's a question on here that talks about the first million dollar coin. Give me a break. So true or false, yeah, the the Royal Canadian Mint produced the world's first million dollar coin. I'm going to go false because no one produces million dollar coins. Gotcha. It's true. In 2007, and one-third of our respondents said, yeah, that's false, but no, it's not. It's true. Is that a coin we could find walking down the street? This this would be good. If I found walking down the street, I would be a very happy Canadian <laughs> on July 1st and every other day. The million-dollar coin. Already. How big is this thing? Oh, it's not enormous in size, and I can't say that I've held one or had one visit my house or anything like it, but... Um, but I was around Ottawa at the time, and it was coming out. And uh, it's funny that it, there wasn't more noise about it than there was. Could it still be recognized as legal tender, do you think? Or was this just a oh, thing sure. that was done? Oh, no, no, no. This is not one of those kind of Bradford Mint things in the U.S. where it sounds like a coin and it looks like a coin, but it isn't a coin. It's a Royal Canadian Mint coin. For a million dollars. I'd, yep. I'd want my million dollars given to me in a different way because I'm going to lose that coin really fast. Yeah, no one carries a change purse anymore. It just doesn't happen. I mean, I don't even carry change, and I barely carried money in the day of the era of ATM. So it's it's a challenge. Okay, we don't want to skew results too too much. If people are going to take a look at, at the full survey results or or kind of quiz each other on the questions, but let's let's go one more place before we go, and that's Anne of Green Gables, which again I was hoping you were going to go there. Was one of those classic Canadian things. You say Anne of Green Gables, people know Canada, people know Prince Edward island again you're going to a different level a different notch uh what do we have to know about anne of green gables anthony well true or false there are actually a couple of pieces that it's been translated into 20 plus languages and that in japan it has been part of the public school curriculum since 1952 true or false i'm gonna go true you got it. Really? And any any of your listeners who've ever been as i have to pei to the sort of site where they you know where the fictional Anne was supposed to have been, will have seen it is always, always has a heavy contingent of Japanese tourists visiting. It's just an enormous thing. I've been to Japan, and it was one of the questions that came up as a Canadian. 
Well, if you want to stump some people this weekend, then all you have to do is go to historicacanada.ca. I'll actually tweet out the link right now. You'll be able to see the results, and then you actually have the questions that were asked, and you have the percent of individuals who were able to answer them. If you kind of go through the list, one of the ones that stumped everybody the most was this. The Newfoundland dog became an official symbol of Canada after the governor of Newfoundland Newfoundland gifted one to Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent to celebrate Newfoundland joining Canada. That's one that people got wrong. Think about the detail in that, and then as we continue to put our hint book together, yeah, that's false. So not only do you have interesting facts, you make the ones that are actually false look pretty believable. Anthony, great job on this. Thanks so much for this, and have a very happy Canada Day long weekend. (laughs) Same to you. A lot of fun. Thanks. Anthony Wilson-Smith, president and CEO of Historica Canada. So we'll go through some more of those in just a moment. But I mentioned if things didn't work out, we would reopen the Stones contest. Well, that's exactly what we are going to do right now. So we still have one pair of tickets. Here's what I ask. You be able to please... Go to the concert tomorrow at Burroughs Creek, which is just northeast of Barrie. 519-643-2222 is the number to call. Kelly, are we able to hear the lyrics one more time? What do you think? When I'm driving in my car and the man come on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information. I can't get no, uh, no, 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 hey, hey, hey. Got it? If you can name that song... You can head to see the Rolling Stones tomorrow. We've yet to have a right answer on the air. So, let's go to the phones right now where we find Max. Max, you are up first. Do you know the name of that song? Yes, I do. Satisfaction. You are exactly right. Are you able to go to the concert tomorrow? I am. That's even better. Congratulations. You've won tickets to go and see the Rolling Stones tomorrow. Thank you. Hang on one second, and we will get some information from you. Satisfaction. We had to do satisfaction at some point this week, right? Okay. We were mentioning the Historica Canada stuff. It is really interesting to see the way that everything breaks down. And I still believe that if we're missing one thing in, I guess, our Canadian schooling system, it is more of a focus on Canadian history. You only need one history credit to graduate high school. That's it. And I think most schools say you can take it in grade 9 or you can take it in grade 10. But you only need, you can take more, but you only need one credit. You think that's enough? I personally don't think that's enough. It doesn't force people to take history because a lot of times students will look at, okay, What are the courses I have to take? I need one geography. I need one history. You need math every year. You need English every year. Understandable. But why don't we need more history? Why don't we need to learn a little bit more? You know the old line, those who do not know history are destined to repeat it. Yeah, and usually not in the good way. So that's why Historica Canada does a great job of this. But this goes through pop culture, goes through everything. For instance, Shania Twain's Come On Over, best-selling Canadian album of all time, true or false? While we're on a music topic, true or false? It's actually true. I would have thought something by the guess who. I really would have. But no, Come On Over by Shania Twain, number one all time. And most people actually got that one right. 
Here, as one last question in all of this, is one of the questions that was answered right the most. More people live in Canada's smallest province than Canada's largest territory. True or false? So more people live in PEI than in Nunavut. What do you think? True or false? That is true. More people live in PEI, which takes roughly four hours to drive across, than they then live in Nunavut, which is Canada's largest territory. All right. Thanks to Historica Canada for that. I will tweet out the link to the quiz. You can take a look at all the results. It breaks it all down. And you can stump anybody who is wearing red and white at any point this weekend. I was mentioning earlier on the show that I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter last night and saw an interview with another anti-vaxxer. And this troubles me. Because when we look at the measles outbreak that we have had, when we look at even the flu, which claims lives every year, when we've got vaccines, in the past it was all about, hey, we've got a vaccine for that. You know, if, if all of a sudden we have an outbreak of whatever it happens to be, think back to SARS 16 plus years ago. If you've got an outbreak of something, doesn't matter what it's called. And it all of a sudden is threatening to become a super virus. And scientists work very hard and very quickly, and they are able to come up with a vaccine. I really don't believe that the anti-vaxxers are going to say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not for vaccinations, so no, I'll just take my chances. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think they'll do an about-face. But the fact that we still have them out there, still able to spread this message that vaccines are not a good thing, that troubles me. That bothers me. So in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk with someone who deals with vaccines on a fairly regular basis and lives right here in London. First, let's check news. We'll come back in just a moment. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Got an email from Sarah at Mike at 980CFPL.ca. I kind of figured this was coming. It says, did you find Maryland's footprint on Quebec Street? Yesterday, if you weren't listening to London Live, we were talking with Marilyn, and she was saying that her five-year-old footprint is somewhere in a sidewalk on Quebec Street, somewhere between Oxford and Dundas. Now, that is, that's, that's a good stretch. But she said it is, it's somewhere there. Five years old she was when she wanted to see whether the pavement was soft and her footprint went into it. And I did try to get to Quebec Street today. Um, I was coming up Highbury and I thought, oh, I don't want to deke into the construction. So I kind of peeled off before I got there and I didn't look, and I said I would, and I'm sorry that I didn't, but I also had to get in. I had a bunch of things to do. Jess Brady is doing London Live next week. I'm off, so so I didn't get it done. But I will try and get out there with a magnifying glass and a fine-toothed comb to find Marilyn's footprint at some point during my vacation. That's what I will do. So I didn't find that. You know what I did find, though? We were cleaning out stuff in the basement last night. I would be a pack rat if it wasn't for my wife. I might be a hoarder if it was not for my wife. She has taught me, you know, you don't need that stuff. If you haven't worn something in six months, that could be worn by someone else. That's the first thing that she taught me. You need to donate that. 
you're not using it, allow somebody else to use that. And so I've been pretty good about throwing things away, but we still have some unpacked boxes from like a move a long time. We're talking more than a decade, a long time ago. And I actually opened one of those boxes last night. You know what I found in there? I found the thing that made me a hockey fan. And it goes all the way back. Anybody bank at the Bank of Nova Scotia way, way back? I'm talking in the 1970s, and I can call that way, way back. Anybody go to the the Bank of Nova Scotia? Do you remember the Bank of Nova Scotia and their little hockey magazines that they had? This was shortly after I had learned to read. In fact, I think I was still figuring out reading. But they had, and this particular one, I can, I saw it last night, had Jerry Cheevers on the front. He was playing for the Boston Bruins at the time. That's how long ago that was. And inside, there was this story. And I remember reading the story, and I've been hooked on sports magazines ever since. Maybe because of this particular story. And it dealt with the late George Morrison. Don't know if you remember him. He only played in the NHL for two years. He played with the St. Louis Blues. He has since passed away. But he has one of the most fascinating and unbelievable stories ever in hockey history. He was playing for the St. Louis Blues. Scotty Bowman was the coach. And this story kind of chronicled this. And I can remember reading this as a really small person. And I was hooked. Maybe I, maybe I started watching hockey to see if what happened in this story would happen. So here it is. George Morrison is playing for the St. Louis Blues. Scotty Bowman is the head coach of the Blues. And they're on a road trip. And Morrison was not seeing the ice. Like, he wasn't getting any ice time at all. He was a marginal NHLer. And he ended up at the end of the bench. And he was just kind of sitting there, and it was getting into the second period, and he still hadn't played. And they were at the Great Western Forum. And at the Forum, the benches, everything was right in the crowd. So right beside the bench was a set of stairs, and they went kind of all the way up to the level of the concourse, and you would have guys coming down selling beer or selling hot dogs. So there was a young kid, and he was selling hot dogs. So he'd be walking down the stairs, hot dog, get your hot dog. And George kept watching this kid come by, and the kid would come to the bottom of the stairs, and he would turn around, and George, sitting at the end of the bench, kept smelling these hot dogs. And he hadn't played for two games, so he figured, what have I got to lose? So as the kid walks down the stairs, he says, hey, kid, if you get me a hot dog, I'll give you my stick after the game. And, of course, the kid went, yeah, sure. So the kid runs off, back up the stairs, hot dog, hot dog. Next time around, he's got a hot dog for George. And it's got ketchup and mustard and relish all over it. Big, messy thing. So he slips it to George, and George is now at the end of the bench while the L.A. Kings and the St. Louis Blues are whipping back and forth, and he's trying to sneak this hot dog as the game's going on. So he gets one bite of the hot dog, and all of a sudden, the whistle goes. There's been a penalty. And Scotty Bowman yells down to the end of the bench, Hey, Morrison, get out there. Kill this penalty. Well, George is sitting there with this hot dog. He doesn't know what to do. So he kind of panics, and he shoves the hot dog up his glove And jumps over the boards. He didn't want to leave it on the bench. People are going, where's this hot dog come from? So he shoves it in his glove, and he jumps over the boards, and he skates out there. And I read the story again last night. He said he was skating like he had a broken wrist, and he's just praying the puck does not come to him. So 
play starts up, and they're killing this penalty, and he's got the hot dog in his glove, and all of a sudden, the puck goes off somebody and lands right in between his feet. And George had time enough to look down before an L.A. Kings forward smoked him, just crushed him, and... He went flying, and of course, the hot dog comes flying out of his glove, and it's spraying ketchup and mustard and relish, and it falls down in front of the St. Louis Blues net. Nobody knows where this thing came from. The goalie's trying to pull the hot dog into the net. There's mustard and relish all over the place. Eventually, the whistle goes. They have to bring out the on-ice crew to clean up the mess. George goes back to the bench. That was the last shift he played on the road trip. Maybe the last shift he ever played for the St. Louis Blues. But that's what turned me into a hockey fan many, many years ago, I think. I'm hanging on to that book, Jerry Cheevers and all. In a moment, we're going to talk anti-vaxxers as London Live continues. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We've had enough movies out there. Outbreak is one, remember, with Dustin Hoffman, where you have a virus that becomes some kind of super virus, threatens the world. Stephen King's The Stand focused in on this many, many, many years ago. The idea's been out there for a while. We've lucked out so far. I mean, is there probably one coming at some point? Sure. But we have the science now where even if we have something nasty, we can maybe find the cure to it or at least find a vaccine to help the body fight against it. That's the idea. And I always wonder... Everyone who calls themselves an anti-vaxxer, if that was the scenario, if it was life or death, and somebody said, but we've created a vaccine, if you don't use this vaccine, chances are you'll die. Your family will die. Would they all of a sudden say, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been against vaccines forever, but uh, I think I'm coming around. Sure, pop that into me. I think that's exactly what would happen. So I was scrolling through Twitter last night, and I, I found an old interview or a new interview. I don't, I'm not even sure where it came from. But it troubled me that, again, it was being circulated, that this was somebody saying, do not vaccinate. So it's probably not a bad idea just to talk to somebody who deals with vaccines, who deals with questions about vaccinations. And we're going to do that right now. Nick Vandergulik joins us. Nick is from Shoppers Drug Mart. You can find him at Richmond and Carling. And he's here to talk vaccines and vaccinations. Nick, why don't we start right there? What do you hear when people ask about vaccines and vaccinations? I think there's just, you know, like as you said, I think there's just a lot of misinformation about vaccines. Um, oftentimes we hear the bad, but we never really hear the good because the good's not necessarily in front of our faces all the time. So it's something to easily overlook, I think, as a patient. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So how do we go about getting that message through? Maybe, maybe it's like conversations like this. Yeah, I think that like... Um, you know, I can understand where a lot of pe- people come from that, you know, they read online and they hear from, you know, celebrities about what's going on. But, you know, the, the biggest message is that vaccines have been, you know, arguably the, you know, the biggest development in, in modern medicine and has saved more lives than any medication or any treatment that we've ever come up with. And I think that um, they've done so well that it's almost shooting themselves in the foot at times because you don't see some of the diseases that can come with not being vaccinated. 
We have talked about smallpox on the show before, which the world, the earth, was almost rid of until the United States and I think it was Russia said, yeah, we're just going to keep a little bit. Just Mm. research purposes only. And I never quite understood that because we have the power to eradicate certain things. And then, like we said, measles pop up. So can I throw a couple of myths at you and and have you kind of react to what they are? For sure. Okay. Uh, then let's start with uh, that vaccines result in side effects that can make you sick. We hear that about the, the flu vaccine sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, the, the big thing is that, you know, most vaccines don't contain a live virus, and they usually just contain uh, fragments of viruses or diseases that can make us sick. Um, and what that does is it causes your body to have an immune response, so you develop an immunity against those particular um, diseases or conditions. Okay. Um, and so oftentimes what we see from patients is they'll say, well, I got sick after I received the, you know, the vaccine. Um, what often that is, is that sometimes it can take a couple weeks or two or three weeks, even with the influenza uh, vaccine, um, to actually get immunity for your body to build up the response and resistance to the condition. Um, and what we find is that uh, they can actually get sick during that time. And they, they oftentimes think that it's the, you know, the vaccine that, the, that they've been administered. But in fact, it was actually just, you know, um, something brewing inside of them before that. Makes so sense. It can, be, it, it can be easy for people to sometimes connect the dots. I would also say that, you know, vaccines are, you know, one of the, the you know, all of our, our, our entire drug process of, of developing vaccines. It can take about 10 years of studies to prove that those uh, vaccines are safe. And then not only that, once they're launched to market, any um, the Public Health Agency of Canada continues to monitor the safety of, of vaccines. Um, so if there's any, uh, you know, anything adver- what we would call an adverse drug reaction, which would be something that we weren't expecting to happen from the vac- vaccination, um, that's reported to Health Canada and they keep them, they monitor that. And if there's any issues with that, they can um, uh, put out alerts or even they can even take the, the vaccination off the market, which hasn't happened to any of our uh, current commercial uh, vaccines that we have right now. Nick Vandergulik joining us. Nick is from Shoppers Drug Mart on Richmond and Carling right here in London. I was scrolling through a Twitter feed just yesterday and there was an interview on anti-vax again. And it was another one of those things that make you think, really, are we, are we not through this? I think I've read the science. I think I've, so we thought we'd give Nick a call and just ask about a couple of the myths that are out there. So that's one. How about that vaccines are something that you only have to get once? Because I think about chickenpox vaccine with uh, with my kids. They have the chickenpox vaccine, and I, I always wonder whether that's a one and done. I keep thinking it isn't, and now that they're getting older, I'm thinking, should they get a kind of an update on that? So what about vaccines being one and done? So some, there is a common misconception that childhood vaccines can, can last a lifetime and, and that there's not really a need for booster as an adult. Um, but it can actually diminish as someone ages. So it's important to receive a booster dose um, for some vaccines, even like uh, tetanus and diphtheria. Um, what we can do is we can also measure titers to see if people have an immune response. So even recently this year, I was part of a cohort of people who were immunized in their childhood who received the MMR, um, which is a measles, mumps, and rubella vaccination. And what happened was is I had to go to my doctor and get a blood test to see whether or not I had immunity against it, and it turns out that I hadn't. And so I I had to have a, a booster vaccine even at the age of 32 um, to make sure that I didn't get um, those conditions as they circulate in our community now. And how do you know when to ask about a booster and when you might need one? Yeah, so 
Um, part of it is that we, everyone should have their own uh, vaccination record. Uh, now, it's hard as people, um, you know, grow up and, and as they're, you know, you know, they're going from healthcare practitioner to different areas that we live in. Um, it can be hard to keep track of all your vaccinations, and I think it's really important for people to either see their doctor or talk to their pharmacist about, you know, what are their current uh, vaccination needs, because a lot of people don't even know what their current, uh, what vaccines they should be getting. And I think it always starts with a conversation with your healthcare provider um, to find out what um, what vaccinations you should be getting. Yeah, because we've got those little yellow cards that every yeah. time you you pick one up, you think, there's got to be a better system than this. <laughs> there is. Um, there's an there's a effort right now. Um, we have a few uh, distribution cards of vaccine records within our pharmacy that, that we hand out to customers and patients who, who want them. Um, but the health unit hands them out. There's also a push right now to put a lot of those vaccination records online as we modernize the healthcare system. But it's still very patchwork. And again, I think it all comes down to having a conversation with your healthcare provider. Good advice. We're talking with Nick mm-hmm. Vandergulik. Nick is from Shoppers Drug Mart, which you can find in Richmond and Carling here in London. Okay, one last thing, and that is if someone is not vaccinated, are they able to actually spread a disease that maybe doesn't manifest itself to somebody else? I've always wondered that. So what's the so like if if they could spread it if they weren't vaccinated? Yeah, like can they yeah. be kind of a carrier for certain things? Is it is it something we have to worry about in that way? Yeah, I, so you can be a carrier of certain viruses, and and one of the the concepts out there is what's called herd immunity. So herd immunity is when um, a certain percentage of the community is immunized against a disease because there are some people who can't get immunized for different health reasons. Um, they may have an allergy to a component of the vaccine. Um, they may not tolerate a certain vaccine, um, but uh, you know you can still carry that. Can that? So for example, the you know the influenza virus. Um, when my dad was sick, uh, we, everyone in my family had to be immunized because he wasn't well enough to actually get the uh, influenza um, vaccine. Um, and what that did is because everyone in our family was uh, immunized against it, we could carry it on our hands and he was quite ill at the time. Um, and that made sure that uh, we wouldn't get uh, influenza and be able to spread that to him. So it was... It, um, you know, you, you can still track uh, d- diseases and conditions to different people. And, and, you know, it's really important to be immunized um, so to make sure that you don't continue to propagate that. Anything else we need to know, Nick? Uh, I think that, you know, one of the big things is uh, people oftentimes, like, you know, I see patients and, and they don't realize that they can, it's really easy to get vaccinated now more than ever. Um, one of the, the things that came out of the United States about 10 years ago was when you increase access to vaccines or you increase the, the, um, the, the way in which people can get vaccines, you actually have a higher vaccination rate than the public. And one of the things right now, you know, for the last, for five years, pharmacists have been able to administer the influenza uh, uh, vaccine um, and uptake the the population who is immunized against um, influenza has actually increased since access can be increased. And, you know, right now, any pharmacy... um, including Shoppers Drug Mart, they're able to administer much more vaccines than just influenza virus, such as the HPV vaccine, uh, Twinrex, uh, which is a hepatitis A vaccine. So there's lots of different um, vaccinations that pharmacists can help with. And, and the nice part is, is most pharmacies are open late in the evening. So, you know, you can always access that care because it sometimes can be very difficult to stick to healthcare nine to five and healthcare happens at all times. And I think that, you know, if I was 
t- talking to my patients, it's that access increases vaccination rates, and it's really easy, and it's an easy conversation to have with your pharmacist or doctor. And, and I think that, you know, my call to action really would be to, you know, get immunized. Um, it's great for your health, and, um, you know, that's what's really important. Nick, thanks so much for all the time and all the information yeah. on this. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate that. Nick Vandergulik from Shoppers Drug Mart at Richmond and Carling as we talk about some of the things he hears about vaccination, some of those questions. Before we go to break, Hall, you had something you wanted to say. I do. I have two things I want to say. One, Nick is right. If people don't know how bad diseases can be. I had a friend just the other day said, you don't need to get the measles vaccine. After all, you can just get the measles and then you won't need the vaccine. That's a dangerous and way of thinking. It's a very, he doesn't seem to realize how many people died because of the measles vaccines. Like, well, I got it when I was a kid. Well, just because you got lucky doesn't mean anything. And he's just like, no big deal. You can get it. And then it's a better one than if you, if you had the vaccine. No, it's not. And it, and this brings me to my second most important point. It points to a really larger thing that's happening in society. This very rampant anti-science viewpoint you know you you were talking about this a couple months ago and i got kind of outraged when you pointed at the possibility of there might be flat earth same kind of stupidity it's people who hate science or are afraid of science this very rampant anti-intellectualism that's ravaging through our society right now and it's that kind of thinking is what allows people to say, oh, you know what, you don't really need vaccines. That's bad for you. They're going to get you sick or all that. No, trust the scientists. Trust the people who know better. Trust the people who spent years and years and years studying this, and they know what works and what doesn't. Paul, thanks for the call today, because that's you brought up a day that I still go back to and can't believe happened, the day that we talked about Flat Earth. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You, you talked to the guy by the way, who said, oh, it's okay if you get measles. You actually talked to him, and he used my name. <laughs> Hall, you have, a great, you have a great holiday weekend. we got to run to, uh, to news, but I really appreciate you taking the time Thank to call. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Hey, anytime. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I still, yeah, I can't believe that day, but yeah, I also can't believe when people do say things like that. Yeah, just go ahead and get that. You don't need to be vaccinated. <sighs> Science has come a long way, but yeah, I'm, I'm with Hall on that, that we are sliding back and we do have ways that all of a sudden those messages have a whole lot of support. Those messages that say, yeah, don't trust the science. Uh, I don't know about you. I'll get in the line of science every single time. Let's take a break for news. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. This hour is as jam-packed as we can make it. Jess Brady is still here. This is how hardworking she is. You know, on long weekends, people tend to just leave work early. Hey, is anybody around? No. Anybody see me? No. Well, it's a long weekend. Whew, I should get out of here. Maybe you have three days off. Yeah, yeah, but it's a long weekend. I want to get it started. That's a thing. Take a look around your workplace right now. How many people are there? 
Jess Brady is still here, and we're actually going to talk with her because she's going to be on London Live next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 1 to 3, and she is always fascinating to listen to, and she's got something that's kind of, it's, I don't want to say it's bugging her because it's not. It seems to be shocking her. So we'll get to that in about a half hour from now. We'll talk about how somebody who you know who is young and curls could be in line for something pretty special when the Continental Cup of Curling comes to London. We will outline everything happening on Canada Day. We are also going to talk with Majors Manager Rup Chanderdat. He's going to join us as well on Sunday, on Sports Sunday, which you can catch between noon and 12.30 on 980CFPL. And we kind of look around at a lot of the local stories that are going on this week. We'll talk Women's World Cup of Soccer and what happened with Team Canada and Shalina Zadorsky and Jesse Fleming. We are also going to talk about the NHL entry draft. We'll talk about the London Knights and their selection yesterday in the CHL import draft. So that happens at noon on Sunday. So we'll hear from Roop as well. But we have an opportunity to kick off this hour with someone who has done something that you wouldn't even envision possible. He's grown such a stylish beard and mustache that he is now a world champion, a U.S. national champion, and we're lucky enough to talk with him on London Live about growing a beard and mustache combo befitting of such world honors. Amazing. MJ Johnson joins us right now. MJ, how are things today? Uh, doing great, absolutely great, actually. And you didn't wake up this morning and, and decide, you know what, I'm done with this, and shave everything off, right? <laughs> the thought did not cross my mind. <laughs> but uh, sometimes you do wake up with, uh, there's like bed hair when your hair is all crazy. That does happen with the beard sometimes, so the wake-up can look a little rough sometimes. Okay, that's because yours is uh, is not only a champion beard, it's... Uh, it's long and and it's more yeah. is it more mustache than beard I'm I'm looking at a picture which I wish we could share on the radio yeah. I shared it on my Twitter feed but when we're talking about what you have grown where does it start from Yeah that's a good question it's uh, when people see it they're not sure if it's a beard or a mustache but uh in legal terms it's um uh, it's a partial beard as far as competition goes so like the Movember Foundation considers it a mustache, but it is uh, it's a mustache, and then also um, like my sideburns all blended together into one like solid unit that makes like a like a two foot mustache. <laughs> so it's a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything going on. Now you've said it. People are starting to picture that a two foot mustache <laughs> because you do shave parts of your face. You you shave your chin, right? Yeah, I shave my chin, and then I shave my neck up to the jawline, so it really does, like, go out. So, like, it, goes out, it grows out to the sides, so to, to kind of uh, emulate, like a, like, a huge mustache. If it was too much from the neck, it kind of doesn't look as good, so I definitely shave off a lot of it in order to get the shape I'm looking for. 
Okay, now that we've established that it's it's two feet wide, you are a four-time world champion mustache and beard grower. We've got to establish why it is that you were able to get into this in the first place. Uh, coming to mind, a dare. A dare from a buddy, sure. Or uh, a small prize in a contest somewhere for a, a county fair. Do either of those things line up? No, they didn't. Uh, and it's a it's a four time U.S. national champion, and then like a three time world champion. But just uh, but how it started was I saw I always like grew up like a mustache or like small sideburns or I, I called carving something out. They can grow a beard and then carve it down into something weird and then just start over again. But then I saw photos online of the world champions the world championships in like two thousand and nine. And I was just blown away that there was even such a thing as as a, a world championship for beards and mustaches. But as soon as I saw it, I said to myself, I'm doing that. It's like whatever I got to do to just compete in the contest sometime, I'm going to do it. So I started out with, um, with to grow my mustache to an, ex- an extreme length. And it went really well. I won a bunch of mustache contests. I won like a national cake. Uh, it was a music group that had a song, Mustache Man, and they had a national contest. I ended up winning that. I won a couple state championships. And then I took it to another level, growing out the, my sideburns and then putting it all together. And it just kind of, like, uh, went absolutely crazy from there. I mean, it, but that's how it all started was I just saw all these wonky, like, freestyle beards, and I didn't even know people were taking beards to that extreme, and I wanted to, I wanted to do it. Well, not only have you done it, you said it. Four-time U.S. national beard and mustache champion, three-time world champion, and who knows what is still to come. So let's talk a little bit about how you you get what you have, because to look, I mean, you get asked the question, is that real, right? Oh, that's the, absolutely the very first question I get asked. I mean, as soon as I tell them that it is, they say, no, it's not. So you actually have to answer it twice or two or three times. But that's definitely the most common question. Because in a way, it, how do you sleep? Sure, in a way, it it doesn't look real. It's it's amazing because yeah. a lot of times when when you're pictured in competition, your beard and mustache actually it actually comes out and curls up, and from some angles in pictures, it almost looks like the beard and the mustache goes above your head. Is is that accurate? Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So you can yeah, curl your beard that. and mustache out, and then it goes above your head. That's how long we're talking about this. When did you decide on that style? Because it's pretty wild. <laughs> um, I'd never... I'd never seen it before, um, and I didn't know what would happen when I started it, but that was my idea was um, to to do that and then to see how far it would go. And it just kind of uh, it just kind of kept going. I do trim it for shape for contests because they look for that type of thing. So but now I'm trying to grow I'm gonna let it go and see how far how far I can take it now. So I'm done trimming it, but yeah, you can. You can put it over your head. There's this one style I do. I call it the coast-to-coast comb-over, and I make it look like I'm using my beard for, like, when people do a comb-over on their bald head. I've been uh, working that into the mix every once in a while. But it doesn't look that hot, so I don't do it that often. <laughs> but, yeah, it definitely can go over the head. My wife doesn't really like that look very much. 
You mentioned almost from the beginning you were starting to win contests, but how long did it take you? How many years has it taken you to get to where you are right now where you can do the coast-to-coast comb-over or have your beard and mustache curl out and go above your head? I would say, because I trim it so it's hard to get an exact time, but I would say you would have to do it to grow it like four or five years, I would say, to get it it really good. Your wife, how does she feel about this? Um, she likes it. She has a uh, she she has her own style that she prefers. It's uh, she puts my uh, my beard in like those little rubber bands, and then like like it looks like a Viking style where it goes like all the way down to like uh, to, like uh, my belly button basically. But she <laughs> prefers uh, that style. But when it's up and uh, up and huge, um, what she likes to do, she's awesome with clothes and style. She actually likes uh, picking out outfits for me for the championships or for appearances because I can get away with clothes that other people just can't just because the beard is so ridiculous that the outfit can be too. So we actually team up a lot for that. I mean, if I try to do an outfit for the contest, it might look okay, but when she does it, it it goes viral. So it's kind of a team effort for sure. We're talking with MJ Johnson, four-time U.S. National Beard and Mustache Champion, three-time World Champion. So you you have those leeways that you can add to fashion. The thing looks stylish when you get it going, but typically would it be in, in the, the elastics, the ringlets most days? Um, I would say yeah. I would say yeah, because you do. it comes at a cost, too. Like if you have it that big, First of all, you lose peripheral vision big time. Like, I can't see anything up the sides, and driving is a nightmare when you have it up. So that's just not going to happen. Plus, if I wear it out and stuff, you got to stop for photos, and you got to stop for questions. And it's just a little bit too much for everyday usage. So, yeah, in general, it's got to be down, and I, I go, I call it incognito mode because you can kind of, like, uh, move about pretty freely compared to when you're uh, 100% styled up. MJ, can a beard slash mustache like this make you money? Uh, yeah, yep, for sure. So, I, it, um, is are I'm you a, making a living off what is happening with your beard and mustache? I have other jobs, so no. But I definitely um, I'm sponsored by uh, Remington, uh, like the beard trimmers, the Remington Beard Boss, and I'm on like on the packaging. And, uh, like, I have to go to Toronto, and I go to Waterloo for specific events for Remington. So there's, you know, travel and appearances. And, I mean, it's big. Like, we've been, I've been on uh, Steve Harvey show down here uh, live with Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest. And, I mean, it goes, it just, it's, it's too, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it never imagined. I thought it could be big. First contest I was in for nationals, I ended up being in Sports Illustrated. And growing up, like, that was the magazine for me. I was like, whoa, what just happened? How am I in here for that? So I saw that it had, there was something there. It was just, the, the beards are too weird. They're just, they're, they're, they make incredible photos, and there was just something there. So then I kind of uh, watched it and, you know, thought about it a lot. I was like, where else can this go? And then it ended up uh, just kind of going crazy. I've done a, a TED Talk out of the deal, and, I mean, you make a lot of great friends and travel, and, Working with Remington has been incredible. So, yeah, I mean, it's a surprise, but uh, it definitely went further than I thought, and uh, I don't really see an end in sight anytime soon, but you never know. 
Well, this is this is a wild story from the hey, that looks cool. I'd like to try that to where you are now. <laughs> MJ, keep it up. Right. Uh go after the the fifth championship in the US, the fourth world championship. When do those championships happen so we can pay attention? Well, every year the US Nationals are uh in usually in November. Uh this year it'll be in November in uh Chicago Southland, so not too far from London. Yeah. So, you know, not, that's not that far. We can so, get yeah, cheap train far. rides uh, there. There is, there is a beard team Canada and there are definitely some big some big timers in Canada, so we it definitely gets represented. Um there's a guy an English mustache that does amazing, natural mustache, full beard natural. Canada does really well as far as that goes. But worlds are every other year. Only in odd years. So the next one is in uh, uh, New Zealand in uh, 2021, and the next one after that is 2023 in England. So that'll be a while on the next World Championships. Well, good luck this year. In... <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck this year in November. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. MJ Johnson, three time world champion, four time national U.S. champion. In growing a beard and mustache. And I will tweet out that picture so that you can see what he does look like. We'll take a break. Up next, London Majors manager Rup Chanderdat is going to join us. The Majors had a young team coming into this year. And they started off kind of through a rough patch where they were down with the Brantford Red Sox as one of the bottom two teams in the Intercounty Baseball League standings. If we look at this weekend, there are two majors games, including Monday, which comes complete with fireworks. But this is a team that's not losing baseball games anymore. In fact, they have won five games in a row going into tonight's game against Welland. And if you're looking for one of those things to do on a Canada Day weekend, if going to Labatt Park is not on the list, then you haven't finished your list. Write that down. 735 tonight, Labatt Park, or 605 Monday, Labatt Park. Beautiful baseball park and a team that has been playing some beautiful baseball. Roop Chanderdat is next on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. It is going to be a beautiful weekend for the most part. We may have some storm activity here and there. Don't worry about that. Doesn't look widespread. But warm? Yeah, it's going to be warm. Good day to be at the ballpark? Yeah, most days, especially tonight when the majors are playing and Monday when the majors are playing and they have their annual fireworks. Let's talk about this team for a second because there are some pretty unique stories on the London majors and all of them have been responsible for a turnaround where the majors didn't start the year winning many games. Now they just can't seem to stop winning. They won their fifth in a row. On the road in Brantford this week. They play Welland tonight. They will play Barry, one of the best teams in the last five years. They're second in the standings right now, but they are a very good team on Monday, and that will be the game that afterward provides fireworks at Labatt Park. But you boil everything down, and really, you find one man in the middle of all of this, and that is London Majors manager Roop Chanderdat. Roop, you warned us at the beginning of the year that there would be kind of some growing pains, but... How has this latest stretch been for you? You know what? Things are going well. You know what? We've got some momentum on our side. You know, we're playing good baseball. And like I told everyone at the start of the year, you know, we had a huge roster turnover, 20 new guys. And so it was going to take some time to figure all the moving parts out. But 
hopefully we're getting closer to that right now. When you were looking at your roster, managers always see things a little bit different than players if things don't go well at the beginning. You, you can sense what you have and where you maybe need to add, those sorts of things. What were you seeing, even though maybe like the Blue Jays have talked about, you weren't getting victories? You know what? We were, we were doing a lot of good things right, but uh, it's defense. I wanted to shore up our defense and cut down on our walks, you know. So we had to uh, shore up a bit of our pitching staff, and also defensively we had to make some changes to, to shore that up. And I, you know what, I think like right now we're there, and this is our roster going forward to the rest of the season. So hopefully we can, uh, you know, fine-tune everything and be ready for the playoffs. You have found ways to find players in Latin America, but one of the major additions is now in playing second base, Yuki Asuda. Can you tell us about him and, first off, how you found him? You know what, uh, Yuki Asuda, you know, he played with one of my former players, and uh, and so that's, that was the connection there. And uh, Yuki is uh, absolutely a professional. He's a guy that's bounced around a lot of the independent pro leagues and uh fundamentally very very sound i know classic japanese player you know they've they've learned well the basics and uh he gives us a solid second baseman and you know what uh he's got a good bat in Brantford uh, last game he hit one off the fence you know any other park it's probably a home run it's a high fence there in left field and uh you know what surprisingly his bat's been uh pretty good so far we're talking with Rup Chanderdat as we look through how the majors started the season and then the burst that they have been on. That confidence, that role, when you're playing baseball in AAA, AA, in the major leagues, you're playing day after day after day, and it's pretty easy for a role to get going or a role in the wrong direction to keep going. But when you're playing games a little more intermittently in a schedule, what have you found from your players to, to keep kind of how things have been going? You know what? We've been talking about momentum, you know, so you got you to gotta ride out momentum. So we use practices, you know, we do a lot of live work and practices and just trying to, you know what, remember what it feels like to win. And the early season losses actually did help too. You know, those guys, they didn't like that feeling and, you know, they knew what we what it takes to, to win and how hard it is to win in this league this year. It's a very competitive league. So, you know what, you got to enjoy the good times right now. Rube, we have to talk about one more player who has just a phenomenal story. Jake had uh, Jake had a story on GlobalNews.ca and 980CFPL.ca this week about John Fitzsimmons. Can you tell us the uniqueness to John Fitzsimmons' role on your team? You know what, John's uh, absolutely a great uh, pitcher. So what John, you know, John's also a coach with the Great Lake Canadians, uh, a premier team here in the London area. So he, you know, right now he's only been coming Friday nights. He's made a couple of weekday trips. Every time John comes, I tell our starting pitchers, they just need to get to the seventh inning and he's going to close it out. And he's been lights out so far. You know what? And there's another guy, like I described, Yuki who is just a professional, you know, he gets his work in. He comes to practice on Mondays, gets his work in, and, and he's ready to go, you know, when the bell's called. Well, this weekend has been a whole lot of fun. You've at least had some nice weather, and now you get set for the annual Canada Day game that comes up with fireworks. Enjoy all of that, Roop. Congratulations on what you've put together. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it.
London Majors manager Roop Chanderdet. Tonight, 7.35 against Welland, and then 6.05 Monday. Following that will be fireworks as the Majors welcome the Barry Baycats to Labatt Park. We've got news on the way next, and then we'll talk about a contest for the Continental Cup of Curling. Jess Brady is still here and has something that has completely shocked her, and she's going to be here in this very spot next week from 1 to 3 on Global News Radio. So we're going to talk with Jess about that, and then we'll look ahead at some of the other things happening on Canada Day weekend with Laura Thorne from the London Heritage Council. It's London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. So it's warm outside. It's not really a time to talk about ice, but we need to. We absolutely need to because on January the 9th of 2020, we're finally going to head into a decade that we can figure out. We're going to call it the 20s again, aren't we? Or is it the 2020s? Because now all of a sudden it seems to stretch and you remember, yeah, 1920s. Those were the 20s, the roaring 20s, weren't they? Or the roaring 20s? See, I need to brush up on my Canadian history. But as we enter that decade, the Continental Cup of Curling comes back to the Sports Centre at Western Fair District. It'll run January 9th to 12th. Team North America, Team World, some of the best curlers anywhere. And it's also offering up a little something to anybody who is a young curler. Young being 10 to 16. And joining us right now is Tim Lindsay, who is with the Continental Cup of Curling, instrumental in helping to make a tick in 2020. But we catch up with Tim uh, a long way away from here to talk about the Future Stars competition. Tim, we hear you are in Whitehorse. Are you in Whitehorse? Yes, I am, Mike, and it's uh, very nice here this morning, and it's nice for sleep, and it's about 10 degrees right now. 10 degrees, nice for sleeping. You know, at the end of this weekend, as much as we've been missing the warm weather around here, I think 10 degrees, nice for sleeping. Uh, there might be some takers for something like that. Well, enjoy Whitehorse. What's taking you there? Oh, vacation with my wife. So having a tour up to the Arctic Ocean and Alaska and see some friends and family. Well, we appreciate you taking some time out on your vacation to talk 2020 Continental Cup of Curling because we can all remember when the Continental Cup of Curling was in London. This was an absolutely massive success. And we wanted, we always like to follow contests on London Live. And we've talked about the people who got to go across the United States and eat ribs. Let's talk about the future star competition. What is this about? So the Future Stars is where some of our junior curlers have the opportunity to rub shoulders with the elite curlers. And how do they go about doing that? Well, they submit their application online. So under the Curl Canada website, so curling.ca, they can hop on there and, and go under competitions and find the... 2020 Continental Cup and then hit Future Stars. And then there's some information there and application form. And what they'll do is they'll fill out their contact information and their age. So their age is between 10 and 16. Okay. And we're not talking about one winner here, are we? We've got multiple winners. We have 48. We have 48 winners. So so it's really nice. It's a fabulous opportunity. And what exactly could they win? 
what they would win is an opportunity to spend some time on ice with uh, I mean, with the I mean, one of the teams, either the Team World or North America, and then they have their photo taken with them, and they speak with them along with the captains and the coaches also because they're really good, and they'll receive a jacket and a pin. So you get to do things with the best of the best in the curling world. Okay, well, curling.ca slash 2020 Cont Cup for Continental Cup slash future stars, and you can find it, or you can just go to curling.ca and make your way through the website. Tim, enjoy White Horse. Thank you so much for the details on this, and we'll see you back in London very soon. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Continental Cup of Curling, January 9th to 12th at the Sports Center at Western Fair District. Up next, Jess Brady is going to join us. She is going to be hosting London Live next week from 1 to 3, and there's already something that's getting to her. It's bugging her, and she's been nice enough to hang around. She got here really, really early this morning. She's been nice enough to hang around to talk about it and to talk a little bit about hosting the show next week. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Jess Brady joins us in studio. Jess, hang on just one second. Marilyn, how are you on this Friday? Well, I want to wish you and your family, Kirsta and Kylie and Jack, a really good holiday weekend. Well, Marilyn, thank you. And you have a great holiday weekend. I don't know if you heard it earlier, but I didn't get a chance to go to Quebec Street. But I'm off next week, and I will have time, and I'm going to try and find your five-year-old footprint. Well, now it's on the north. East corner of Mornington and Quebec. Okay, that's and I lived in the fifth house up from uh, Mornington and Quebec, and my father had a paint and wallpaper business in the basement. Okay, and so the house looks altogether different. I cry when I go past it. Ah, uh, well, northeast corner of Mornington and Quebec. I've written that down. I'm going to hopefully be able to post a picture on social media next week. Marilyn, all the best. Happy Canada Day weekend. Yes. Thank you, dear. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Jess. Thank you for hanging around. Uh, you're going to be hosting London Live next week, but you're once again putting in a very long day from doing morning news this morning to all of the news that you've been doing throughout the morning and other stuff in the newsroom. But you love this, don't you? I do. Yes, it is. Uh, it's the love of the news and the love, <laughs> the love of broadcasting. Well, you're going to be in this time slot, one to three, next week, Tuesday until Friday. I plan to be in a hammock listening. <laughs> hey, that's a good spot to be in. That's mm-hmm. nice and comfy. And uh, hopefully I, well, I don't know, a hammock, you might fall asleep. Hopefully not, I don't no, put no. you to sleep. <laughs> no, you, I will not. You know, I, I struggle, though, because we don't have trees to put oh. the hammock up. So. Oh, do you have one of those ones that comes with its own its own little bracing uh, structure? No, I don't have no. one of those either. So you're just going to lay on the ground in a Could hammock? Could you lay a hammock on the ground? Is that still a hammock? <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, it is, by its very nature, a being called a hammock. But you might get some grass, like, poking up. That might not be very... Company. i got to rethink this, but I'll be listening <laughs> to the show for sure. Yes. And one of the things that we'll probably carry into next week is something that was said uh, today. Yeah. Or was it yesterday? Well, it's it's interesting because it's an interview that was recent, but it's hearkening back to comments that were made, I guess, several years ago. And it has to do with the Dalai Lama. 
He's such a good guy. He's preached peace, love each other. Uh-huh. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's he's done a lot of great yeah. things. He has the best message. Right? People love the Dalai Lama. They mm-hmm. think he's so so wise and you know, his his Twitter account has a lot of followers, like hundreds of thousands. And yeah, like he does he does like engagements all over the world and and talks about all those things that you said. Well, there's one one topic that uh, he has some controversial opinions on. And uh, everyone that I've talked to so far had never heard him say these things before. So it was a bit of a surprise. But in this interview, the uh, journalist who was speaking to him hearkened back to comments that were made a few years ago, apparently. And it has to do with whomever succeeds him in the role of Dalai Lama. And in the past, he had said, I am open to having a female successor in the role. But it's a real big but. That's a, that's a caveat if I've ever heard one. Uh, she should be attractive. That's what he said. If a female is going to succeed me, she should be attractive. Really? Yeah, because, and I uh, <laughs> paraphrase quote, no one wants to see a dead face. And then he made a face. He like squished up his face as if to mimic the type of face that would not be appropriate for a female Dalai Lama. Where would this have come from? This goes against everything he preaches. Right? Now, just as a just as a little example, I pulled up some tweets from the Dalai Lama. Okay. <laughs> this one is from just this year, May May 20th. It says, in our education system, we need to include lessons like those concerning physical hygiene that focus on mental and emotional hygiene that teach how to develop a healthy mind. This is the core of what I call secular ethics. Okay. Uh, emotional hygiene, I would hope that would also include a religious or spiritual leader not talking about women's physical attributes. And also this one was really, really quite something. Uh, <laughs> on International Women's Day this year, he tweeted, Women have been shown to be more sensitive to other suffering, whereas warriors celebrated for killing their opponents are almost always men. We need to see more women in leadership roles and more closely involved in education about compassion. What I take from this is the Dalai Lama, sure, he's cool with having ladies in leaders in leadership positions, but only if they're good looking. <laughs> but at the same time, some of the thing, well, that last tweet this guy travels the world. Does yeah. he not? Does he not listen while he's traveling the world? Does he not look while he's traveling the world? I, don't I mean, know. I would hope we so. have the emergence of female leaders. Yeah. Um, I I don't get this. This, I, this goes I, against everything. I'm stunned. Like the Dalai Lama, Buddhist, supposed to be like the most wise person in the world, like Zen and just you know accepting of the universe and and preaching love and acceptance, as you said before, Mike. But then to come up with something like this, it's just kind of like. It really, it's shocking. Like we watched the video in the newsroom uh, of him saying these things and and basically corroborating what the the journalist had kind of quoted back to him. And when he the the journalist said to him, you know, she said, uh, "Are you? Can you understand why women were upset by this? You know, they were offended that you said this." And he says, "Well, uh, you know, show me how many of them have used makeup like as a way of." <laughs> so he went further. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, God, Dalai Lama, no. That's a Dalai, don't. Don't do it. Do not do it. Well, we will no doubt hear a lot more Dalai don'ts next week (laughs) as Jess Brady is here on London Live between 1 and 3. My foundation is shaken, Jess. Seriously, I'm very upset about this. I feel like it's like hearing something upsetting about a beloved 
you know, relative or whatever, you find out that they have very upsetting beliefs and they just, it just leaves a bad taste. Yeah. And it's like, come on, really? Like, we have to worry about this from the most enlightened being in the universe. This is, this is the guy. And even this sexism still exists with the Dalai Lama? Come on! Well, at least it'll get us talking about it. I look Ugh. forward to listening to what you have to say <laughs> next week. Jess, have a great weekend. Get some hammock time yourself this I weekend. Will. Thank you so much and enjoy your well-earned vacation. Thanks. Jess Brady, in studio. Let's take a break and then we'll close out with everything happening this weekend, courtesy of the London Heritage Council and without... Dundas Place. Some of this stuff wouldn't be happening the way it will be. We'll get details on that too. Laura Thorne is going to join us from the London Heritage Council. This is London Live and Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Lots of news coming up in about eight minutes. Jacqueline LaBelle will be here. John Wilson will have the forecast for us. We may see some unsettled weather. Is that a good weather term? Unsettled weather later on today and overnight. But he'll have full details on that. We will talk sports as well. We've got two signings made official by the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've got free agency getting going this weekend in the NBA and in the National Hockey League. So Raptors fans are going to be wondering, well, What's Kawhi going to do? Free agency opens in the NBA Sunday at 6 p.m. But don't go thinking, okay, I'll just a second. I'm going to set a reminder in my phone. Sunday, 6 p.m., I'll know whether the Toronto Raptors are going to have Kawhi Leonard coming back. That's not going to work that way because – Basically, once free agency opens, a lot of the key free agents in the NBA will talk to teams. So Kawhi Leonard is apparently going to speak with the Clippers. He's going to speak with Philadelphia, uh, the Lakers. Lakers don't have room. And the Raptors as well. He has let it be known to at least one reporter that he'll speak with the Raptors last. So it'll kind of come to the point of, here's what everybody else is saying. Here's what they're offering. Okay, what are you guys saying? He was spotted, though, on vacation, wearing a Blue Jays jersey. He was spotted at a Blue Jays game recently. So all of that is is kind of positive stuff. And then NHL free agency opens July 1st. So what happens there? Well, there are a lot of restricted free agents that could receive offer sheets. And that's one of those things that hasn't come into play very often. Mitch Marner's one of them. Whether it actually happens, eh, we'll see. But if it does... It opens up a whole new thing because there's kind of been a gentleman's agreement in the NHL for a little while. Don't offer sheet my guys. Don't offer sheet my guys. And uh, if that goes away, then there are going to be some big battlegrounds in the National Hockey League. So we'll talk about that in weeks to come. Right now, let's focus in on more of the present. Canada Day, Monday. Laura Thorne joins us from the London Heritage Council to talk about everything that is taking place. Laura, how are things? They're good. They're busy. We're excited. Yeah, this this is jammed. I mean, there aren't too many minutes free here, but that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. It's going to be just a fabulous day of celebrating Canada and our rich multicultural heritage. Lots of free family-friendly activities. Okay, where do you even want to begin in this? Because you mentioned free. That's always fantastic. Why don't we focus in on Dundas Place? Because if people are looking for the place to go... Is that it? 
it is Dundas Place, and we're taking over a bit of Talbot as well, as well as the Covent Garden Market Square. Um, really, it'll be hard to miss us if you're, you head downtown. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. So now we've got the place. As far as times, how early is too early and how late's too late? So it starts at noon. Uh, we kick off with our opening ceremonies, uh, free cupcakes, which is always a big draw. Um, and then it goes all the way until 11 p.m. 10 p.m. is the fireworks. And then we have some music that will keep on going till, right till 11. Fantastic. Now, you can spend some time around Dundas Place taking all of that in. But there are a few other places you can go. Every year, it seems, Fanshawe Pioneer Village does something pretty special. Is that happening again? Yes, they are. They have uh, Dominion Day. Um, and it'll be it's free admission, um, open from 1030 to 430. Okay, and then I'm thinking we've got some warm weather going. Uh, splash pads and pools, are they a go on a holiday? Yep, they're open. Uh, the city is, has opened them, and they're ready to go. And how about the Children's Museum, as I, I rack my brain here? Is that open on Monday? It is. So the Children's Museum is open, free admission as well, as is Museum London and Elden House. So Fantastic. there's lots of places to go. Okay, so Elden House. What's happening at Elden House? Uh, Elden House is having an old-fashioned carnival uh, with historical games, uh, food and entertainment. Uh, There's a magic show, lots of stuff going. So Dundas Place, anytime between noon and basically 10 o'clock, and you mentioned bands and and all of those sorts of things. Everybody always talks fireworks. Fireworks? Fireworks are happening. Uh, So they're happening at 10 on uh, their regular location, so you can get a great view from Dundas Place or the Covent Garden Market, or you can head down to Harris Park or Ivy Park. Laura, this sounds like a great day, great weekend. We're hoping the weather continues to match what we're hoping to do. You enjoy yourself, and thanks so much for the rundown. Thank you. That is Laura Thorne, London Heritage Council, and they are hosting Canada Day activities on Dundas Place, and this is something that we can get used to. I mean, We're not even seeing the full stretch of Dundas yet, but take a look at how quickly Jurassic Park, Dundasic Park, came together for what the Raptors were up to in their run to an NBA championship. That's the kind of flexibility you get with a flex street. And we haven't even begun to tap into what will happen. Wait until the rest of Dundas is finished. This is going to work out very nicely. If you haven't seen any of the plans Get to the City of London website, take a look around, and and just see what the city is going to become. I'm encouraged. I used to be really pessimistic about, uh, you know, is it going to be worth all the construction? Is it really going to make that much of a difference? And then you start thinking about other cities that make use of flex streets or other cities that have really put an emphasis on transportation by foot or by bike. And you see how much they have benefited. And I think we're headed in that direction. Enjoy your Canada Day. Wear some red, wear some white, and be as patriotic as you can. Thanks to Kelly Wong for her help all of this week. Jacqueline LaBelle is next with news. London Live brought to you, as always, by Courtesy Ford Lincoln. You can find them at 684 Warncliffe Road South. Above all, be safe this weekend. News is next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.